it in harmony. Hello, Internet. God, <laughs> you, you, you threw off my rhythm already. <laughs> my bad. That's okay. Hello, Internet. Uh, George here, joined by one of my favorite guests to possibly have on this show. We've got Aaliyah. Hi. Hi. Welcome back to Shortbox Summary. We are recording on a Friday. How is your week? How is your Friday? How are you? Uh, week was rough. Friday was rough. <laughs> I'm fine. I'm drinking, which is good, I guess. Maybe not. Yeah, me too. Uh, for the past three weeks, we've been doing Whole30, which is just like a very, very restrictive diet. And it's been awesome. I've lost a ton of weight. Like, legit, I've lost like 20 pounds, which is super cool. But also, I've been hungry and not happy for three weeks. <laughs> so I don't know if that was entirely due to the diet. I'm sure it wasn't. But, God, I poured myself a glass of cab salve for the podcast. Feeling great. I have some dad curries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My dad's old recipe. We call them dad curries. Or uh, his name is Mark. We also call them margaritas. Tasty. I'm on my second one, so we gotta we gotta get through this fast yeah, we gotta before hur- we gotta hurry up before we fall asleep. Aaliyah, <laughs> we are here today to talk about Spider Woman Origin. Now, this is a five issue miniseries that happened uh, at the same time as as her sort of glow up was happening in New Avengers. You've been on the New Avengers podcast. Uh, how do you feel about Spider Woman? I'm intrigued. Yeah, I think that's like the number one adjective to use okay because i like her but i don't know if i trust her but i feel like more is going on than we're being told Mm -hmm. um she's kind of feels like a double agent which i'm totally into right i love spy shit she's a double agent she might even be a triple agent she a quad agent we don't even know there's so much going on with her look at her legs she is a quad agent all right that's actually That's pretty good. Golf clap. That was solid. <laughs> uh, what would you do if I told you that uh, Spider-Woman is one of the most important characters of this era of Marvel for probably, let's see, this book came out in 2005. One of the most important characters for probably the next five years. I wouldn't believe you because, um, well, that's partially due to my exposure to comics is the Marvel movies mm-hmm. and or some DC movies. Not the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans. Why not those ones? Because I don't like Tobey Maguire. Okay. Don't at me. I've been doing research for the first... I know you found the trailer or audition tape or... Not not audition tape. It was a trailer for his first leading role. And it's a movie called Revenge of the Red Baron, where he goes to stay with his grandfather for the weekend. Mickey Rooney, very, very, like, celebrated actor. And uh, his grandpa was the person who shot down... Uh, the Red Baron in World War One, And so they're flying these little remote-controlled planes of the Red Baron and, like, an allied plane. And uh, a bolt of lightning hits the Red Barons and um, turns the puppet in the Red Baron plane into a new living version of the Red Baron. Like, he's, like, reincarnated as this puppet in a remote-controlled airplane. And Jesus Christ, I need to see this movie. <laughs> it looks ridiculous. I saw that you posted the trailer and i specifically did not watch it i'm a little mad that that post didn't go viral because i don't understand what the internet could want more than seeing toby Maguire in a movie trailer fighting a puppet german air force officer i don't know like what like what else do people want what else do people need literally anything else okay wow 
It's not you, it's Toby. Okay. <laughs> that actually hurt less than I thought it would. <laughs> All right, back to Spider-Woman. Back to Spider-Woman, back to Spider-Woman. So, uh, we were, um, we recently talked about New Avengers. They were in Japan. There was, like, an extended conversation between Spider-Woman and Madame Hydra. And then in the ensuing issues, right as, like, the New Avengers were about to announce themselves to the world, uh, she had a heart-to-heart with Cap, and unbeknownst to her at the time, it seemed like uh, the rest of the New Avengers, where she told the whole story about, like, yes, I was a double agent working for Fury, he brought me back in, he sent me out there, and now he's gone, and no one at S.H.I.E.L.D. knows, so now I'm just a traitor. And then Cap, like, turned to the New Avengers, like, well, guys, do you believe her? So, like, that was, like, the last time we really talked about spider-woman on this podcast not that long ago but just trying to remind people where we are in the in the greater mcu oh sorry greater marvel comics universe the other mcu the proper mcu but then didn't she go back to hydra and it was like implied that she was really working for hydra and not the avengers like i'm i'm still confused as to where her allegiance really lies i think because she's a hero and because the audience has a relationship with her however strained it might be and i don't mean that because of like anything she's done i just mean like the history of her like her book publication you know just like how popular how relevant she is to like the then current marvel i think we just assume she's on the side of angels because she's a hero you know like we have so much evidence of her being a hero and you want to believe in heroes right isn't that i guess but also i'm like kind of a cynic and i'm like maybe she's dirty Okay, but try to put yourself back in 2005. Oh, like when I was supposed to have hope and all that shit? All that shit, yeah. And so, like, it's really hard to read comics now and not be cynical. Like, I think that's, like, the perfect word to use is cynical. And just sort of, like, wait for the bottom to fall out, wait for hope to dissipate, wait for, you know, any sort of positivity or optimism to to, to just sort of fade. But when I was reading this at age 15, like, it, it felt like... Kind of like Jason Bourne, where it was mm-hmm. just like, okay, this person is like an enemy of the state, but that doesn't make him an enemy. Like that, you know, like that doesn't make him a bad person just because the government says he's bad. Okay. But now, like you see like a, a, a rogue agent, like a, a traitor, someone who's working for Hydra and like actually doing things for Hydra. And like the the cynic in your heart is telling you like, oh no, that's actually what she is. She's not good. Like, of course, like why would we believe in anything good happening ever? Yeah, I think the past, like, five or so years has really... It's, it's been kind of a test, been kind of a, a stress test on uh, on your hope, on on your optimism, 100%. Also, um, because Aaliyah's here, uh, we left the dogs to watch themselves, so you might hear some, some gruffs and roughs in the background. Sincerest apologies, we'll post cute pictures of doggos. Oh my god, you took one earlier of Cricket uh, going into, like, a, a toy bag? Laundry bag? Yeah, it's just his butt sticking out of the toy bin. Literally one of the cutest things I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Whew. All right. Uh, well, without further ado, I'm ready to jump into issue one. Are you? Let's do it. Cool, 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 cool. So wait, George, before we get started. Yeah. Let me ask you, where were you in December 2005? Oh, man, December 2005, that was... Uh, uh, you were in eighth grade? No, I was a sophomore in high school sophomore was i a fresh i was i guess i was a freshman then you were probably a freshman uh let's see december 2005 i was a freshman i think uh okay yeah um i had like my first girlfriend ever actually was like around december 2005 i remember 
right before Christmas doing like a, a Christmas gift exchange. Uh, she was very nice. She got me uh, the one season of that 70s show that I didn't have at the time on DVD. And she gave it to me in a uh, Spider-Man, Ultimate Spider-Man tin lunchbox. What's her fucking name? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even pretend. Yeah, you're, you're right. It would be weird if you were like that. It <laughs> where, would. Where were you in 2005, in December of uh, 2005? I guess I was a freshman in high school. Mm-hmm. You were a sophomore. Um, uh, I have no idea. Uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. I didn't prepare any music. I didn't prepare any movies just because, like, so many of the books we're talking about were happening at, like, roughly the same time. Yeah. It, it just felt a little redundant to, like, constantly go over the music. Uh, I guess for December, I should have prepared something for, like, end of the year stats. But also, I'm trying to make shorter episodes. I'm trying to write less, uh... All right, well, let's get into it. I'm trying to write less scripts. Uh, Before we actually jump into the issue, though, I do want to say thank you so much for listening. That's incredibly cool of you. It would also be incredibly cool of you to go on whatever podcast service you're listening to and give us a rating. That would be awesome. Share the the episode if you like it. Uh, Try to get the word out because the more people who listen, the more likely we are to get people on. I've uh, got a couple irons in the fire. I know I've been talking about that for a while. Uh, The podcast switched to bi-weekly because the Celtics are in the playoffs. and. I've been uh, a little a little hammered at work recently. Not drunk, just busy. <laughs> um, so I've just been uh, trying to take time for myself. And it's actually been really nice since switching to bi-weekly. Ilya, I've been reading so many DC comics. Not Marvel. I've been reading people from... Uh, b- Wait, books from the other guys. Non-Marvel comic books exist? I've been catching up on Batman, and it's pretty good. Uh, I'm trying to get more current on comics. I recently signed up for subscriptions directly from DC and from Marvel. So I'm trying to be up to date so that when those come in the mail, I can actually treat it like a new comic book day and actually just like read them, which I'm uh, looking forward to. I kind of miss that in San Francisco. You, you or we would go to the comic book store, mm-hmm. go get Volcano Curry, which is like the only reason I would go. Yeah. And then you'd go home and just sit there and read through some of your new books. And it was like a kid on his birthday. Oh, I'd just be like laying down on the floor. Yeah. I'd have my legs up. <laughs> <laughs> it was precious. Yeah. Yeah. It also, it was really good when you would go with me, because then we'd go get Volcano Curry together. When you wouldn't go with me, I would just stop at Burger King oh. and get, like, a chicken sandwich. And then on my way home, I would, like, stop by Ireland 32's, the bar in Geary, and just, like... Have a beer. No, I'd have several. And then, like, yeah. you'd be like, hey, are you okay? Where have you been? I'm like, oh, yeah, sorry, stop for a snack. <laughs> I had to pee, so I went to the bar to bought a beer. Yeah, I mean, you have to. They don't just let you in to use the bathroom. <laughs> Issue 1, December 21st, 2005. Uh, this issue opens on Wondagore Mountain, where we meet doctors Jonathan and Miriam Drew, young scientists in love and expecting their first child. They're in Eastern Europe at this literally magical place, studying a special type of spider when a General Wyndham shows up on behalf of Great Britain's military to ask them how the project is going. Worried they're about to lose funding, they show them their device, what they call a DNA compiler. Basically, this machine will take something they have a genetic record of and then apply that genetic code into something else. The example they use is taking an Antarctic tick's ability to survive extreme cold and apply that to a Wondagore widow. When the compiler is accidentally activated, Miriam's pregnant daughter, sorry, Miriam's pregnant, uh, pregnant belly, her child in her womb, is accidentally caught in its path. 
Jonathan worries about everything that could happen to her, but against all odds, Jessica Drew is born healthy on December 7th of that year. Weird that she's born on the day that uh, Pearl Harbor was attacked by Japan. I don't know why, like, December 7th was the day, but whatever. I definitely missed it was December 7th. That's my mom's birthday. Oh, man. A day that will live in infamy. Yeah. Yeah. Years later, Jessica is a healthy and precocious 11-year-old girl who fearlessly grabs and handles an extremely deadly Wondagore widow, much to her mother's amazement. Jonathan and Miriam are fighting more because the project is going very not well. Scientists keep abandoning their stations, and Jonathan is at wit's end trying to figure out what to do. When one day, Jessica's hands become super adhesive and accidentally rip a windowsill clear off the wall. Once Jonathan sees this, he begins conducting experiments and research on her in secret, hoping for a breakthrough. When Miriam realizes what he's doing to her, they get into a violent fistfight that ends with when Jessica shoots electricity from her fingers. She passes out from the exhaustion of that act and wakes up much, much older in a room with General Wyndham and a giant Hydra banner behind him. Daddy Issues. Yeah, the daddy issue is that your dad's a fucking prick. Monster, maybe. Yeah, like actual, like, Mengele-style, like, war scientist, war criminal scientist. Yeah. Yeah, it's not great. How do you, how do you come back from that? It's, it's weird. If, if my dad were a Nazi scientist, I don't know how I'd handle that. Probably not well. I definitely wouldn't. Yeah, no, it's pretty rough. I don't think you do. I don't think it's possible. You watch a lot more spy stuff than I do. Like, I love the James Bond movies, which I actually don't think you're too keen on. Not... The older ones I have seen and liked. Uh, the newer ones I haven't really paid attention to. You're not a big Daniel Craig girl, are you? I like Daniel Craig. I hate Pierce Brosnan. Okay, that's what it was. All right. Yeah. Um, I feel like this kind of stuff is pretty common. Like, it, it feels like a Greek tragedy, right? Where it's just like, oh, like, the, the most wonderful person has the absolute worst father, you know? Yeah. That's why I'm not a good person, because I had a really good father. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. <laughs> no, your dad's great. That wasn't, that wasn't a shut up. It was like you saying you're a bad person. I don't want to hear it. Um, how does this rate for you so far on... I want to ask you two questions. One, I really wanted to cover this story with you because I know you love spy shit. Two, I know you love, like, origins and, like, oh, the past isn't exactly what you thought. Let's let's re-examine that. Yes. Uh, how did that first issue stack up to you? Because, like, you've been reading New Avengers, which is an ongoing. This is a self-contained beginning, middle, and end. I, I liked that it was a self-contained, just, like, short little story mm-hmm. miniseries, if you will. Um, Limited series. Okay, fine. Yeah, comics are the worst. Fuck them. I, the first issue was somehow too short, but not short enough. Yeah, it's weird. It's, it's really weird. And I think this is like a problem with sort of sequential storytelling in monthly comics, because like the entire first issue would be like the first 12 minutes of a movie. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah, this is like a... Boom, 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 this is what happened. And I get it's like the setup and you ne- you need it for subsequent things to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. But 
I don't, like, I feel like I didn't learn that much other than, like, her dad was an asshole and she got zapped by... The DNA compiler. The, yeah. <laughs> it sounds so stupid when you say it out loud. It does. Um, no, I, I 100% agree. And, like, that's, like, the weird thing about comics because it's, like, you think about it as, like, an entire story, right? And so it's, like, it's five issues, let's say 22 issues, uh, or, sorry, 22 pages an issue, so that's five uh, it's like 110 pages right so like you'd think that like the inciting incident would happen at about like 10 pages in like like thinking about it like uh-huh. pacing but also like the inciting incident didn't happen until way later in the book so it's like it was paced for a longer story but like not paced very well for an individual issue yeah it was the, the pacing was off for me I'll, yeah. I'll say that um I understand, like, why they ended it where they did, because I feel like that's, like, a good cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, well, it's ten years later. What happened? How do we, what's going to happen to her now? Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I also kind of feel like, I feel like it's kind of a cop-out to be like, oh, well, she was in a coma for ten years. Yeah, we're going to learn more about that in later issues, but I agree. Like, it's almost... Do you think it would have been better if that happened on, like, page six? Maybe. Like, if it was just, like... Like, I'm I'm not a comic book author. I hope to be someday. Uh, Ideally a comic book editor. I think that'd be really fun. Um, But, like, I almost feel like it should have been sort of, like, way more like, hectic sort of, like, flashbacks, right? Like, like weird, like, distorted memories. And then on, like, page six, seven, eight, like, that's when it's, like, we find out it's ten years later. Okay. Just, like, move the story a little bit faster. Because, like, you're right. Like, this first opening issue was literally just establishing the dad as, like, a dedicated scientist. Establishing the mom as someone who cares about science but cares about the daughter more. And then, like, that just goes away for no... I'm going to say, like, no real value. Like, just, like, me as, like, a reader. Like, I didn't ultimately care about her parents that much. Yeah, and even, like, what happens later... I feel like we didn't need... Yeah, that much time. Yeah. All right, issue two. Issue two, January 18th, 2006. Um, Same exact creative team. I didn't say this before. I'm very sorry. Uh, This series is written by Brian Michael Bendis and Brian Reed. It has art by Jonathan and Joshua Luna, a.k.a. the Luna Brothers. They handle, like, the pencils, the coloring, the inking, all that. And uh, it was lettered by VC's Corey Petit, and it is the same team throughout the entire series. So, sorry, should have mentioned that at the top. Issue two. Hospitalized and traumatized. (laughs) Something funny? (laughs) Nope. Okay. I didn't think so. Sorry. You're right, it was funny. Uh, Jessica learns that she's been in a coma for 11 years and is now 17 years old. She can't remember uh, what's happened, so Wyndham brings in a Hydra psychic to learn what became of her mother and father. We see flashbacks to the previous issue, but something is strange. Bova, her caretaker, is now a cow-human hybrid. Her father is now a wolf-human hybrid in these flashbacks, and overlooking the entire area is a character uh, that like, super comic nerds know as the High Evolutionary. Uh, it's super confusing, but these are all real characters from Marvel, and contextually this all makes sense with outside knowledge of Wondegore Mountain. Wondegore is, like, that's where Magneto used to be. Like, that's where, uh, like, the Scarlet Witch and her twin brother Quicksilver, that's, like, where they grew up. Okay. And it's, like, a site of, like, experimentation by this guy named the High Evolutionary, who is, like, a, a weird scientist obsessed with, like, future survival of, of all these things 
random things and like the dude's like absolutely insane but like just such a cool weird character and so like that was like the traditionally like established spider-woman origin and it's made to be more cloudy and i I think this was like a a point of the time at marvel was to sort of make things feel more realistic and less black and white not even that just like less weird you know like less crazy okay like just trying to make it more like how would they do this on 24 you know like (sighs) Speaking my language. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Jack Bauer forever. Yeah. Uh, I had a friend in college who told me about, like, a, you know how they do, like, the high school, like, evaluations? Like, every, like, 10th grade you have to do something. Or, like, 9th grade you have to do something. 11th grade you have to do something. They, like, we had to write essays. And they had to write essays in Vermont, too, where he's from. And he, like, won an award because the prompt for the essay was to write about your favorite animal. And he wrote what about that, Jack Bauer. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, his favorite animal is Jack Bauer. And yeah, he was like specially recognized by like the education board of Vermont for his creativity. All right, well, there's like 12 people that live in Vermont, so. Yeah, and uh, all 12 of them just thought it was a fucking knockout. (laughs) Next Chuck Palahniuk over here. I love Jack Bauer. Uh, The High Evolutionary is like one of my favorite characters that I know very little about. I just think he's like super interesting and cool looking. Um... But generally, just a fucking asshole. Uh, Aren't they all? Yeah, he's going to come up later in a a big X-Men story. He's very connected to mutants uh, that we're going to cover here on this show. Uh, But once Jessica has remembered what happens, uh, she blasts the psychic with her electric hands that she used to take uh, out her father with. Uh, Sitting by herself outside of the Hydra compound, Jessica meets Jared, a young member of Hydra around her age. The next day, her training starts with the mercenary Taskmaster. Uh, you know Taskmaster from uh, the Black Widow movie. Like that weird skull-faced person. I don't remember that. I don't... Yeah, that movie is like kind of... I, I think I need to rewatch it. We watched it once on my birthday when it came out, because it came out around my... I think like the day before my birthday. And we were very drunk. Yeah. Um, I definitely like thought it was the Red Skull for a while. Not the Red Skull. I see that. Because it's a skull face. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get it. But I was like, I don't think that's it. Um, I don't know who, who this bitch is, but... I was telling Austin, who's like a, a friend of the show, one of my co-hosts on uh, on Frameskip, a video game podcast. Please check that out. We took a break because he was on his honeymoon. Didn't want to do it without him. Um, but I remember like making fun of Taskmaster. He's like, what are you talking about? Taskmaster is really cool. I'm like, I don't know. Like, maybe now, but like for the past 15 years, like kind of wrote him like a little shit like, like <laughs> just always kind of he literally just showed up to get his ass kicked he's like what are you talking about and then like he started reading a moon knight book from the era that i recommended he's like okay yeah i see what you mean about Taskmaster, <laughs> which i was really proud of taskmaster this guy's ability basically he has like uh mimetic muscles i think is what they call it so basically he just needs to see someone do something one time and then okay. he's, he's able to like perfectly replicate he's it a copycat yeah, exactly. And so, like, I think either in this or in other books, he, like, carries around a shield. And that's literally just because he's seen Captain America carry, ca- a shield. carry a shield. And so, like, anytime he's seen footage of Captain America, like, throw his shield and it bounces off nine people and comes back to him perfectly, like, he can just do that. He's copy-paste. Sorry, I can't think of the quote from Mean Girls where it's like, I saw Katie Herring wear... <laughs> <laughs> wear a plaid skirt, a vintage plaid skirt. And then I wore a vintage flat skirt. I don't know what the actual line is, but sorry, that's all I could think of. No, they mentioned that. I just listened to uh, the Rewatchables talk about 
Mean Girls? Mean Girls. It was like Bill Simmons, Juliette Littman, and Amanda Dobbins. And it was just them talking about this movie. And it was just really funny because, like, they always talk about that movie. And Bill said, I'm like, Bill, you like that movie? Like, <laughs> he liked it when it came out and he has a daughter. So, like, yeah, showing it to her and all that. Um, Jared is amazed that she's training with Taskmaster. Because Jared is fucking not training with Taskmaster. He's training with other people. He is not, he's clearly not, like, strong. Like, Jessica is, is not. He, I'm assuming he doesn't have powers. No, he's, 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 like, a completely new original he's character. He's a chump. Yeah, he is. Um, you fucking goon. <laughs> I never liked him. That's great. You nailed it. You picked, you chose wisely. <laughs> I was like, this chick just came out of a coma and like you're kind of hitting on her. Yeah. That's, that's, that's weird. Oh, we're going to get into it. It gets way yeah. weirder. Um, it gets weirder because he understands how weird it is. Uh, Jared, it like expresses like a happiness that he's part of Hydra. Um, and, and Jess doesn't really understand what that means. Uh, so he does his best to explain it to her. This is really long, but this is like a full quote from Jared. And this is like the modern interpretation of, of what, Hydra. Okay. This is, this is good because I, I knew Hydra from the movies, mm -hmm. but other than that, like no real background. Yeah, I want to say not a lot of literature on them as, like, a, a hyperbole joke, but, like, no, it's a comic book, so there's, li li like, literally fucking strictly literature on them, yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Not not you, not you. It was me. It was me working out my own idioms and trying to contextualize Read them. Read the quote. Okay. The world, even as we speak, is being overthrown by private corporate interests. It means that the richest people in the world, the people that control all of the world's resources, the power and the oil and the food are the same people that control the world media, the TV, the newspapers, the radio, all of it. And because of this, they control all the world's politicians and the kings and all of that. And it seems that the more money they get, the more power they get. And the more power they get, the more power they need. Why do you need all this power? I don't know. My brain doesn't work that way. But these so-called powerful people, it's what they choose to do to the other people of this planet just to make more money. It's disgusting. They ruin the food, they ruin the air, they poison people slowly but surely, and the innocent people of the world don't even know how screwed they are because the people in charge of getting the information out to them are the same people screwing them. In Hydra, we fight back. I mean, that sounds great and all, but I'm not sure that's what they do. Yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of scary. This is this is being recorded after that that mass shooting in Buffalo... And there's been so much coming out about this person's, like, Discord channels and, like, where they spend time on the internet. And this just feels like an oddly prescient book because this doesn't feel, like, that different than, like, someone saying they got into white nationalism because, like, they were bored on 4chan. You know, which is, like, what happened to the, the shooter in Buffalo. Like, just someone who's, like, young enough and naive enough to be angry but not understanding where that anger needs to be placed. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's hard to argue. Like, I do think corporate interests are bad, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, all of the things that he describes, I'm like, oh, that's still applicable today. Mm -hmm. Which, at, in 2005, 2006, I definitely wasn't thinking like that. We were we were 14 and 15, so. Yeah. yeah, but, like, thinking back now, I'm like, okay, well, those issues probably existed then and they still exist now. Mm -hmm. uh, which could be the topic for, like, a whole different podcast. But. yeah. This reminds me of, um, like, watching older shows like West Wing and ER that were on, like, before my time. 
or like before I really understood TV mm-hmm. and them talking about issues like specifically like uh, like universal health care. Yeah, and, and like identifying the exact same issues and arguments that like we're still dealing with like 20, 30 years later. How much does that suck though? Where you're just like, <laughs> oh, so like people knew that this was a conversation thirty years ago, and the needle has moved. Oh wait, not at all. Just fucking nothing. Like it's been, it's there's been no progress whatsoever. Oh, it's infuriating, and like just like seeing like someone getting swept up in a cause that they believe in that is just so fucking wrong but like i get why this guy like if i was told that i'd be like yeah that's fucking wrong yeah you know like i totally get it but like just seeing like oh it's literally the same fucking tactics to encourage enlistment into these causes that that just do these horrendous fucking things that just treat people so terribly and it's the same it's the exact same 20 years later like there's been no fucking progress on like how to communicate to people anything and, like, the state of the world hasn't gotten better, may have gotten worse. Yeah. Fuck. Sorry, this is getting dark. Yeah, it is. But, like, also, this is a dark book. Yeah. All right. Continue. Okay, all right. Jessica continues her training with Taskmaster. Uh, she can beat up Hydragoons, but he whoops her ass. Uh, she asked Wyndham if her parents worked for Hydra, which they did. Once hearing that, she's ready to dedicate herself to their cause. Jared kisses her goodbye before a mission. Um, suited up in something that resembles her Spider-Woman costume, Jessica finally kicks Taskmaster's ass. After seeing that, Wyndham sends her on a mission uh, to retrieve a captured Jared. This is three weeks after his mission. They've, they haven't heard from him, and they finally think Jessica is field-ready, so they send her out uh, to retrieve him and assassinate the one who's captured him, Shields Nicholas J. Fiore. That is the end of issue two. Moved a little faster. Got a little more interesting. Yeah, I'm like, I like the media of a comic book or medium of a comic book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just feel like this would have been like a really great training montage. Oh, yeah. What Do you have, uh, I hate to put you on the spot like this. You're a lawyer. He told me the other day, like the one rule is to don't ask a question you don't know the answer to. Yeah. Um, I feel bad for asking, do you have, like, a song in mind for what the training montage would be? Like, is it, like, heavy on drums? Is it, like, an ironic sort of pop song? That's that. We need a hero. Oh, it's... <laughs> it's, it's Pat Benatar. <laughs> okay. Is that who it is? You know, you know the song I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I'm like mm, I never make a reference you're not 100% sure about. <laughs> I feel bad. I'm, like, 99% sure that's Pat Benatar. I started up a fake holiday with Ben. Where I've just texted him. Uh, ben is our mutual friend. Uh, my best friend from high school. And inspiration for the podcast, actually. Just because he used to ask questions at study hall. And I was like, oh yeah, people like comic books. They just... Don't know how. They just don't want to read them. And also, they're really fucking complicated. I'm like, good, because I've been there for 20 years. I know how to crack this. Uh, but I was so bored one day that I just texted him, happy Pat Benna Tuesday. <laughs> and so every Tuesday for the past couple weeks, I've just been sending him a different Pat Benatar music video. <laughs> and I think, the, I think Hero was... Uh, <laughs> last week's <laughs> uh, sorry i love a training montage oh my god Tra- like, training it's like one of the best parts of any movie training right? montage makeover montage how those are the same montage right i understand categorically different but i mean like presses all the same buttons in the brain releases the same types of dopamine yeah like that 
I'm I'm blanking on the name of the movie. She's all that. No, Anne Hathaway. Mia Thermopolis. Oh, uh, Princess Diaries. Yes, that's like my favorite makeover montage. Although the one in Crazy Rich Asians is really good. Bok bok, bitch. Uh, I really do like the one in She's All That because it's literally just taking off her fucking glasses. <laughs> making, like, plus, her, like, three eyebrow hairs. Yeah, making her walk downstairs to um to, to Sixpence None the Richer, like, kiss me <laughs> out by the field of barley. Uh, yeah, it's, swing, swing. It's like, wait, you're telling me Rachel Lee Cook was hot this entire time? We just had to take off her fucking glasses? Like, no, actually, you want her to be hot. You put those glasses back on. <laughs> Should I just take my glasses off? Is that my problem? No, glasses are banging. Um, let's see. Is she three? <laughs> Sorry, I don't want to... Also, wait, one more thing I had to say. Please. Um, I think I mentioned this in the New Avengers podcast. It's still very confusing to me to see a white Nick Fury. Yes. Yes. And okay. I understand I'm, I'm tainted and influenced by the movies and Samuel L. Jackson... Um, but it was still, I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> and I was like, oh, wait, that, okay, that's Nick Fury. Uh, he's white. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Nick Fury. No, you're fucking not. <laughs> I'm the real Nick Fury. Okay, I tried to explain this to you on the last podcast we did, and I think uh, I'm going to be more clear about it this time. So there's, like, the main Marvel continuity that started in the 60s, right? Yes, yes, yes. I understand. Okay, no, I just, I'm trying to be more clear, so let me know if this makes more sense to you. So, like, that was going on. The movie started getting popular in the 2000s, and so Marvel wanted to capitalize on a newfound interest in these characters, so they started a completely new comic book line, uh, like, at issue one, right? Mm -hmm. And they called this the Ultimate Universe. So basically, instead of, like, if the, if the Marvel Universe started in the 60s, what would the Marvel Universe look like if it started in the 2000s? Yes. And so in that continuity... They based all these people like off like actual like actors and shit. And so like Nick Fury in the comics was a thousand percent based off Samuel Jackson in the ultimate comics. Okay. In this parallel earth, right? Like I'm called Purple Bird 616. And that's because most like all the stories we're talking about so far take place on Earth 616 in the Marvel multiverse. But then on the ultimate universe, it was Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. I don't know who Sam Jackson is. Sam, Samuel L. Jackson. Samuel L. Jackson. You have to use his full... Oh, no, we're close. I don't have to. He's a friend. It's not Samuel L. Jackson. It's Samuel L. Jackson. Yes, that is his name. Um, again, we're close. So I, I just get to call him Sammy. Um, Shut up. But that's why he looks like Samuel L. Jackson. Because in the 2000s, they were like, okay, who would it be today? And they just based it off Samuel L. Jackson. There's actually a really funny scene where they're talking about who would play them in the movie. And then Nick Fury goes, who else? Samuel Jackson. <laughs> very uh, very meta fourth wall break nod right uh, there. Yeah, that, that makes all, all the sense to me. Just as someone who, that was the only Nick sure. Fury that I had ever known. I, I didn't finish. The movies were originally based off the Ultimate Universe. Like they, they yeah, basically, they, they fused the two, right? So like traditional Marvel stories, but like with, through like the Ultimate Comics lens. Like that's, so that's why. Sure, whatever. Go on. Okay. <laughs> I still don't care. <laughs> I'm just saying it's weird that he's white. That's all I wanted to say. George, hurry up. The Mavs play the Warriors soon. <laughs> I kind of want to watch it. Luca. A little bit, yeah. You think Luca can bounce back in game two? I hope so. He's so cute. He is really cute. I love that, like, the disrespect he was doing against uh, Phoenix in game seven, where he was just, like, making shots and then, like, laughing. 
I didn't see that. He was just doing like this impossible crazy shit and like there was just absolutely no defense from Phoenix whatsoever. So he'd make like a crazy three like being like double defended and like they just couldn't stop him. So he would like make the shot and then he'd be like running up the court to get back on defense and he was just like giggling and like laughing and like looking at the bench and just like it was like worse than trash talking. But he's like also just like super cute and like super talented enough to back it up. Oh, it's fucking incredible. I like the Warriors. I like a lot of people who like the Warriors. But God, I hope this is a series. I hope I hope this goes at least six. I mean, I love Steph Curry. Don't get me wrong. Sure, yeah. dude's like a great guy. Yeah. Um, but that Luca's just got that like boyish. I don't think he's there yet. I think he's really good. I think they got Zach Brunson is is pretty good. Um, sorry, this is not yeah, an NBA podcast now. If you've listened to to Frameskip, you know we always go off on sports. Uh, tangents. Did I say Zach Brunson? Whatever. Uh, Brunson. Like, he's got Brunson. Like, he's got, like, a two. But, like, team's not quite there yet. Luca's absolutely there, but he needs some help. Um, that said, I think the Warriors are kind of on their last legs. I think this is, like, one of the last times they can do it with their, with, like, the traditional Warriors big three of, like, Clay, Curry, and Dre. Although I'm, like, much more willing to have, well, obviously not the Warriors win if they play the Celtics in the finals, but, like, have the Warriors win... If there's a parade and we're not there to deal with the oh, nonsense were, of the parade, because those, that's miserable. Those were the fucking worst. Actually, living in San Francisco, I had, like, alerts set up on my phone just so I would know, like, when to not go out. Like, oh, shit. Oh, there's a Warriors game tonight? Oh, bars are going to suck. Okay, I guess I'll drink at home instead. I had, I, I, I worked, well, still work as a lawyer in the San Francisco Bay Area, and I had hearings canceled that were scheduled in Oakland mm. when there was a parade when the Warriors won and were still in Oakland, that the judges were just like, we can't get to the board to yeah. be present for hearings. We need to reschedule all of these. Yeah. I was like, this is a dumb problem. But it is a problem. <laughs> but like, yeah. Yeah. So not being there, do whatever you want, guys. Before we jump into issue three, I want to ask you a question about the art. Okay. So this is by the Luna Brothers, who are two independent uh, comic book creators uh, who have clearly also done work for like the, the big two. How do you feel about the art? Because I remember at the time being like amazed that like a book looked like this. The more time has gone on, I'm less impressed with the art. I think the pacing and the paneling is done really well, but it's like the digital inking and the digital coloring just like looks strange and just like a little flat to me i really hate it you not really... that i am like okay you know uh authority on comic book art styles i just i don't like the way the people look mm -hmm. i don't like the coloring i don't like the costumes i there's like not a whole lot i like i thought they when she was a kid the kid art looked like trash okay sorry don't hate me yeah i thought you would have liked it just because it was very clear like this looks like th this these look like stills from a cartoon and i know you're not the biggest cartoon fan so maybe that's why you hate it <laughs> but like everything about it seems like paced to be like television and so i thought the art complements that very well because like it is very straightforward but because of that like i just don't think there's like a lot of personality like, there's no choices that these, that the, the Luna Brothers made. Like, I want to say it's very competent art, but, like, I don't know if it's very interesting. Yeah. Like, the emotions that are, like, being conveyed, I'm like, okay, she looks upset. Yeah. But it's, like, I don't, like, clip art up, upset. 
Yeah. We'll, like, we'll post some interiors when we share this later tonight. Um, I, I I agree. But that said, I do think, like, the layouts are interesting. The layout's good. Um, There were some parts where I thought there were, like, weird font decisions for, I don't know what they're called, like, the... the sound effects? Yeah. Okay. Um, Where, I can't find it now, but there was just, like, a wide variety of different fonts here. Mm-hmm. Like, the yellow weird font, the blue font, this font. Like, it was, like, you're doing too much. A little chaotic. I need you to do less. That's funny. That's actually, like, a rule of advertising. Is like, you're not supposed to use more than three fonts on, like, a... My boyfriend image. taught me that once. Yeah? Yeah. Guy sounds very handsome. So cute. Okay. Issue three, February 15th, 2006. Valentine's Day, baby. This would have been your sophomore year. What's, it, what's his fucking name? I think this was still my freshman year. Oh, shit. Yeah, that is actually how high school yeah. works. Yeah, it starts in the fall, ends in the spring. <laughs> spring of my freshman year. I was playing softball? In February? We started, like, pretty early. Maybe that's why my high school didn't win much. Yeah, we did not either. <laughs> <laughs> Just, like, we, we started late. We had to practice in the gym because there was still snow on the ground. Yeah, we've had to do that with tennis a couple times. It sucked. Um, okay. I think, like, I don't think I was dating that girlfriend from December by this time. I think I was, like, flirting with this upperclassman chick who I later dated. And Yeah. I can't remember anything. I don't think I dated anyone freshman year. I didn't either. I didn't date until sophomore year. Whew. All right. Jessica finds where Jared is being interrogated and drops in. She fights off a dozen S.H.I.E.L.D. agents before Fury manages to calm her down. Uh, he takes her to the base's bridge and shows her that HYDRA is not the benevolent organization she's been led to believe and that Jared was picked up after bombing a market in Morocco for no apparent reason. Fury tells her that her parents had no idea they were working for Hydra and they had no idea Wyndham was Hydra and that Hydra actually kept her sedated for all those years so they could study her as a unique genetic specimen. Jessica gets pissed and doesn't escape as much as Fury lets her go with this new information. It takes two years, but Fury and S.H.I.E.L.D. finally track her down in London, but unfortunately, so does Hydra. Uh, Jessica is dancing in a nightclub, uh, pretending to be someone else. She's dyed her hair red. She's just like a little party go-go girl, basically. Uh, the club, the club clears out once Hydra enters, and Jared, holding a gun, beats Jessica around, tosses her down to the ground, holds a gun. Uh, Jessica is powerless to zap him. They've been preparing for this confrontation with her so they can withstand her electric blast. Uh, Jared admits he only dated her because Wyndham ordered him to do it. And uh, also admitted to basically being a pedophile. Like, he keeps saying, like, do you have any idea how fucking disgusting it was to pretend to care about you? You had the body of a 17-year-old, but the brain of an 11-year-old. That's gross. I'm like... Yeah, then why did you do it? Why'd you do it, my guy? <laughs> That's fucked up. <laughs> also, it's, like, kind of rough that he, like, finds her. Like, beats the shit out of her. And then, like, beats the shit out of her emotionally. Like, you, you didn't have to do that. I guess Hydra. It's, it's, it's explicit now. Not great people. Oh, wait, we didn't know that yet? Well, it's double, we need double confirmation. Oh, okay, like yeah. two-factor two, two authentication? Exactly, T, uh, two FA, baby. 
Yeah, what a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> that's so weird, right? Like that, like it just like him acknowledging it. Like I don't know if I realized that at the time. Oh, I did. Well, I was no, like... as, as a fifteen-year-old is what I'm saying. Okay. Like, like understanding, like oh, she has like the brain of an eleven-year-old because she's been in a coma, right, or whatever. Or brain of a seven-year-old. Seven. Yeah, sorry. Brain of a seven-year-old in a coma for 11 years. Like, I don't know if 15-year-old me really put that together as opposed to just like, whoa, interesting science fiction story. But as a 30-year-old, I'm like, that's fucked up. Like, how dare you? Like, imagine being seven years old. Blinking. Like, going through some weird shit. Some shit happening with your parents. Very traumatic. Yeah, then you blink and then you're 17. Yeah, and like, you're expected to understand what Hydra is, which like... I'm 31 years old and I barely understand. And, and, you, and you've seen all of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. multiple times. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, like, weirdly being in a semi-relationship with this guy where it's like, you you missed all of that socialization part of your life of, like, growing up, coming of age. Like, she's never seen, like, a rom-com, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. And then, like... She doesn't even know who Rachel Lee Cook is. <laughs> and then, like, kissing this guy, like... I can't... I don't know, like, having the mind of a seven-year-old if some guy wanted to kiss... Like, that's, like, some fucked up shit. Yeah, how do you understand the significance of what this is? Like, how does this mean anything to you with no context? Well, that and, like, I'm sure, like, hormones being 17, like, so much is going on that she, like, clearly doesn't understand, doesn't have, like, a female figure in her life to guide her mm-hmm. like that's just that's fucked up i mean like hydra's bad yes but like this is like this is a a, a cut above ugh. all the terrible shit they've already done uh yeah so that's pretty fucked up uh he literally has his gun in her mouth he's about to kill her when she does some spy shit and she escapes outside where she's met by taskmaster and 24 other hydra agents Tasky is whooping her ass until she manages to get his sword. She stabs him with it and then uses the metal of the sword to amplify her bioelectric powers to shock everyone around them. Uh, Really great art in that scene, I think. Like, I just really like the way, like, we talked about this on the New Avengers, just, like, the way panel size sort of, like, indicates passage of time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think they do such a good job of just, like, showing the speed of this scene with those incredibly small panels, like, along the bottom of the page there. And again, I think the art is, it sounds offensive to say serviceable. Like, the art very clearly dictates, like, tells the story. But again, there's just, like, not a lot of personality in the art, and that's, like, my biggest criticism of it. Especially because I think the Luna Brothers have done a great job in other books, and I just kind of wish they had brought more uh, of their own personal touch to it. And I guess that's more of a problem with Marvel editorial sort of dictating the way they tell the story as opposed to them like making personal choices. Again, I don't know the, like the right answer to that. I'm hoping to get a comic book editor on soon. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Yeah. I also like can't even draw a stick figure. So yeah, I don't so know who how. The, who, yeah. So who the fuck are we to be like, <laughs> maybe you should have done it better. Like, yeah, that, that argument holds like no water. Jump higher. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but that scene where she electrocutes the entire uh, battalion of, of Hydra agents, I think is really cool. I love the electrocution. It uh, somehow reminded me of the scene from Sweet Home Alabama where he's oh, where digging he, up Where the... he's putting the, the, the lightning rods on the beach <laughs> to get the glass. My mind is not here. Aren't you glad that I'm just a depository for rom-com yes. information? Yeah. You understand. But yeah, the digging up the 
the glass, the sand, sand yeah. glass, yeah, uh, from lightning storms. Sorry, that's no, what it. Aaliyah, you me. don't understand. It's because he was there as a child with Reese Witherspoon, and he saw the lightning at the beach. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You don't watch that soon? Are you explaining Reese Witherspoon to me? <laughs> the Please. O- the only time I would feel comfortable doing that is when I'm talking about one of two movies. I either need Cruel to be Intentions. Th- Cruel Intentions is absolutely one of them. I have a Cruel Intentions shirt. You fucking know how much I care about Cruel Intentions. Yeah, I know. I do your laundry. And the other shirt. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah, got me there. Uh, <laughs> I do your dishes. Uh <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, I'm like a lot of the time, like most of the time. Uh, and the other one is Fear uh, with her and Mark Wahlberg. That's the only other Reese Witherspoon I'd ever explained to you, but only because... I never saw that one. I know, you haven't seen it yet. Um, all right, so Agent Jared wakes up. He was one of the, the agents knocked out. Uh, he wakes up tied to a seat on a plane. Sorry, he went to Jared. <laughs> <laughs> he wakes up tied to a seat on a plane. I want you to see this, Jessica says, before jumping out of the flying plane. The plane immediately crashes into the old compound that General Wyndham was using. Uh, incredibly badass. Like, just such, like, a weird, like, zero to 60 moment where she was just, like, party go-go girl in the the London nightclub. And then she hijacked, like, a C-130 fucking cargo plane and then used that as, like, a kamikaze attack on her old home. Incredible shit. So wait... Do superheroes just, like, wear their costume under their normal clothes? Because she was, like, kind of close to naked before. Did she, like, carry it in her purse and change? I never understood the, like, logistics of outfits. Excellent question. They don't explain it in this book. Uh, I'm assuming some time has passed. And so she's able to, to get changed. I kind of doubt she kept it in her purse just because, like... There, she might have done this, but there was no mention. It's just like, oh, there's like a new vigilante in the streets of London protecting people from blah, blah, blah. Like, there was no, like, indication yeah. that she was operating there. So, like, I have no idea if she was keeping it on her persons or if she was trying to, like, burn that part of her past and, and leave it buried. Because it seems know? weird if she was, like, taking this guy hostage and then, like, oh, wait, we need to go home so I can pick up my costume. No, that's actually, that's a great point. You know what like, I mean? Well, they do so many, like allusions to that with male superheroes, right? Where, like, you have, like, the iconic, like, Superman, like, ripping his button-down shirt open mm-hmm. and then just, like, seeing, like, the S on on his costume underneath. And there's been a couple times with, like, Spider-Man and, like, Barry Allen, they very specifically talk about him, like, keeping the costume in a ring. Have you seen that? Is that in the show? Not that I can remember. In the comics, he had basically, like, something, like, the size of, like, a fucking class ring. Like, just real dirt ugly looking shit but he would press a button on it and his costume would be like micro compressed and then it would just like explode and because he was so fast like as it shot into the air he was able to change into it like that was how it was sort of explained in the flash and you're right there's been like really good indications about like how a superhero is able to jump into action so quickly it's like iron man has like oh yeah his like really cool wardrobe especially in the in the comics now like we talked about extremis on that episode with fabio a few weeks ago like he literally hides the iron man armor like in the hollow of his bones like his bones are reinforced with the iron man armor and then it's like you know nanomaterial that just like comes out and just like cocoons him basically like that's how he does iron man now and you're right there's there hasn't been like a a moment sort of like detailing how how women do that how they just jump into action very quickly that's a great point because like i've never worn like a full body spandex suit but like i have gone into a wetsuit 
And, like, that shit takes time. That shit takes time. And also, like, I don't know. I feel like, especially the way comics are drawn. Like, every woman has just, like... Skin tight. Well, I was going to say, like, super exposed cleavage, right? Yeah. And so I'm thinking, like, a character like Black Cat, right? Who's a thief. You know, she has, like, cleavage exposed in her costume. But, like, less cleavage than, like, in a dress she'd be wearing. You know? So it's just, like, I guess... She could hide it there, but, like, she has more exposed cleavage, like, in the dress that she's wearing to get into the area where she's becomes a thief. Like, I don't know, it's very confusing. You're 100% right, though. That is such a great point, and one I hope to learn more about. And thank you, Goose, for coming under the microphone and uh, laying down and sniffing Tuna's tail. That's very nice of you. She just wanted to be part of the pod. Yeah, thank you, Goose. Um, I don't know what minute we're in, but, yeah. Looks like we made it. <laughs> Alright, back to the... Back to the podcast. Alright, so she crashes the plane into Wyndham's uh, base. Uh, incre- I think this scene's incredibly cool. Again, I don't think anything is like particularly well choreographed in this book. I think the art leaves a little to be desired. But like, uh, you understand the moment. Like, You understand the weight of the moment of everything that's happening. Yeah. And her doing that just seemed like great revenge. Uh, so we flash forward again two years after she crashes that plane into Wyndham's compound... Uh, Jessica's in college in San Francisco. Fury manages to track her down and tries to recruit her to S.H.I.E.L.D. He knows that Jessica is seeing weird shit, like what we talked about earlier in issue one with, like, Bova, you know, like, sometimes being a person, sometimes being a cow-woman hybrid. Uh, and he knows she's good at this spy ship, um, because it's taken him so long to find her, and he's only found her twice in four years at this point. Uh, and he also knows one more thing. He knows that Jessica's parents are still alive. He kind of buries the lead there. Sure does, doesn't he? Um, she's in San Francisco, though. How nice, like we were talking about it earlier, how nice is it to see San Francisco again, even in just blurry backgrounds? Yes, but also that's like, where she's pictured in front of the Golden Gate Bridge is like not really a place. Not really a place, and also like, I don't know why she'd be there if she's in school, because like there's no school. It's not like she got out of class and has yeah. to walk by Golden Gate Bridge. Like that's not a place where like you would run into someone randomly. Is it Fort Baxter? Is that what it was called? Fort, Fort Mason. Mason. Fort Mason. Fort Mason. Uh, yeah, and like Chrissy Field is like. Yeah. But even so, it doesn't really line up. No, that like where they're looking, like where the if the bridge were on that side, it would actually just be cliff and road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I've hiked that. It's it sucks to hike. Yeah. A lot of uphill. <laughs> um. So yeah, not geographically accurate, which is a, a big issue of mine. They do they do better with the Bay Bridge. Do they? They're on the Bay Bridge. <laughs> they, okay. Was it is it Fire Island the one in? Treasure Island. Treasure Island. God, like, you lived in San Francisco longer than me. I did not drive in San Francisco no. nearly as much as he did. And whenever I went to Oakland, I always took... The subway? Yeah. Oh, the BART? BART. God, do you even live in San... You lived there for years. Don't you know it's called BART? It, it is a subway. It hurts when people say that. I'm. Just, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> you lived there for years. How do you not know what it's called? I need a drink. Do you want to take a break? Yeah. Okay. Issue 4 comes out March 15th, 2006, and it opens with Jessica having her hands wrapped around Fury's throat. All the bystanders at the Presidio Park reveal themselves to be undercover agents. They come to an understanding. She'll join S.H.I.E.L.D. if they help her find her parents. They find her mom living in New York under her maiden name. Uh, She's been off the grid since shit fell apart at Wondagore Mountain, 
But S.H.I.E.L.D. is good at their jobs most of the time. And they're able to, to find her. Jessica tracks down the apartment. But inside is a Hydra agent and a villain named Whiplash uh, who have the drop on her. They escape. And Jessica finds her murdered mother laying in bed and discovers old documents marked Athena Device Mark II. Um, so this is Whiplash. You actually know Whiplash. I do. He was in Iron Man 2. The second one. Um, is that the one with like the fake terrorist? That's the third one. Okay. The second one was like after like I am Iron Man. And there's like a guy. It's Mickey Rourke. You don't know actors. Uh, Mickey Rourke, like, Tony decides to, like, he's dying. So he's, like, giving the company to Pepper. And he decides to, like, race at Monaco. Like, he goes onto, like, the racetrack. And then, oh, okay, okay, okay. And then, like, okay. a guy comes up and, like, uses a whip and, like, cuts his car in half. Yes. That's Whiplash. Okay. Much cooler in the movie. I know uh, the temperature on Mickey Rourke is probably at an all-time low. But how much fucking cooler is he in the movie than he is in this comic? Yeah, he looks kind of like... Like, I don't, like, we're not here to kink shame, but he just looks like the one person who's really into BDSM that you don't want to invite to your BDSM party. Sure. I'm just saying, like, he looks kinky, but, like, like weird kinky. Yeah. He just, uh, also, like, his, like, outfit's not very inspiring. That's what I mean. Like, he just kind of looks like he didn't put a lot of effort into it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, we hate tryhards, but we hate people who don't try at all. Yeah, there was, like, the happy medium that you really want to aim for. Yeah. Jessica goes off-grid again, and Fury has no idea what to do. Uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. hears a little chatter on some airwaves, including the word Athena and an old movie producer with Hydra ties named Otto Vermis. They can't track Jessica, but they hope to track him. Uh, Jessica is undercover as some bimbo on Vermis's yacht, when Whiplash shows up and thinks he recognizes her, Jessica plays dumb, but ultimately it doesn't matter. They, they figure her out. We love a bimbo. We love a bimbo. I want to talk about that after this issue. We're almost done. Um, she jumps off the boat and is about to be eaten by a shark when villains do what they, al- what they always do. And shoot the water a lot? Like, that's in, like in every movie. Whenever anyone jumps into the water, they always shoot. There's an episode of Mythbusters where they're like, is that really safe for someone to jump into the water? Like, if they're just going to shoot a bunch of bullets? And it turns out the water is just, like, so thick. Like, bullets, like, barely penetrate the surface at all. So it actually is, like, you need to jump into the water if you're being chased by people with guns and, like, dive down, like, 10 feet yeah and you'll actually be like borderline bulletproof uh yeah do you not remember watching csi they like fire the test bullets into like a tank of water mm-hmm. to like test the striations mm-hmm. but that's like what they use to like slow down yeah i don't remember that specific episode of csi because we watched fucking they 300 do it of several them. times okay but i remember the one episode of mythbusters that I brought up at the top of this. God, I love Mythbusters. I love Mythbusters. I know, I miss when you used to fall asleep to Mythbusters. And they I wake up to they Mythbusters. explained everything, so you could just close your eyes and still be up to date on what was happening. It's like one of the best shows to fall asleep to. Much better than Seinfeld. I disagree, but I see where you're coming from. I still don't get why you hate slap bass. Whew. Uh, let's see. Uh, they- Sorry, I love the shark in this. You love the shark. I love sharks. <laughs> I love Jaws. I thought it was going to be like a a bigger storyline. 
Uh, the, uh, like they were going to be sh- like shark pals? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, we've got Spider Woman. Where's Shark Woman? <laughs> Spider Woman and Shark. Shark can be friends. Yeah. There's actually like a new like shark companion. I think his name is Bruce. I'm not, again, I'm not super up to date on Marvel Comics. I need to be better, but it was just nominated for an Eisner. By like this author I really like named Kelly Thompson. I'll send you the art after. It's really cute. It's basically like a shark that was genetically modified to have legs. <laughs> so it's like a little puppy. <laughs> Can I have one? Yeah, how pissed are you that we just have three dogs and not like three dogs and a <laughs> baby and puppy a baby shark? Puppy shark? <laughs> I I love sharks. Uh okay, so they shoot the water. Um She escapes, obvi. That kills the shark and saves her life because A, the shark can't eat her. And B, Hydra assumes all the blood in the water is hers because they're fucking dumb. Um, so she's she's free. Like, she she manages to sneak out. They argue amongst themselves when they hear a speedboat take off from the yacht and a countdown timer go. The yacht explodes, and Jessica makes her way towards the Athena facility. She arrives to an oil rig and overhears Hydragoon saying that Madam Hydra is going to be there. Before long, Jessica opens the right door and manages to find her father, still conducting the same research all these years later. Still an asshole. Still a real piece of shit. He's like, oh, let me just take some of your blood. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen you in 10 years, but... Oh, how's your menstrual cycle? Is it normal? It's like, Dad. <laughs> For fuck's sake. Also, the last time I saw you, I didn't have a menstrual cycle. How is that the first question you have? God. Uh, Oh, I hate this guy. So we talked about this a little bit earlier. This is what I wanted to talk about. Uh, bimbos in, in comics. So, like, I yes. understand, like, uh, like problematic imagery and uh, providing art that reinforces the male gaze. Like, I understand that. And how that's offensive to women for just being objects, right? Like, it's just like, oh, Power Girl only exists because her costume has, like, the slit cut out on her on her cleavage and just like exposes her cleavage. It's like, how is that like the defining feature of her costume? Like what about her actual character? And like, I totally get that. But uh, as a, as a woman and someone who's like new to comic books, I guess, how do you feel about the presentation of women in these comics? Like Jessica's wearing a skin tight costume, but there's no exposed skin. Like it's weird because it's sort of like, I just think about like professional athletes and it's just like, you know, like the women at Olympic village, who are doing track, right? And it's just, like, other oh, wearing sports bras and, like, spandex or, like, the, the beach volleyball, whatever. And it's just, like, these are people who are, like, the peak of humanity, really, right? Like, these are the most gifted athletes we have at this time. But they're, like, exposed. But also, it's, like, they're proud of their bodies. Like, I'm, I'm just trying to understand how someone new to comics feels about, like, the presentation of, of women where there's so many conflicting arguments that all have at least some validity to it. I'm not defending the people who just want to see naked women like that. I think that's stupid. That's weird. Yeah, but, like, there's lots of other websites for that. You don't need to go to comics. <laughs> specifically, but, like, I, like, I don't know. Like, I, this is so, like, ingratiated to me because I've been reading comics since I was, like, four years old. Yeah. But, like, someone who's, like, new to it. How, how do you feel about the presentation of women? Um. Heavy question. That is a heavy question. Sorry. Um, I'll start with Spider-Woman, because she is wearing a skin-tight costume, but I feel like that's also probably, like, beneficial for movement. To to the work she's doing. Yeah, if it's, if it's, like, movable, if she can, like, 
easily move in it, then, like, I get it. Because, mm-hmm. like, I wear leggings, like, 99% of the time because, like, they're non-restrictive and super comfy. Yeah. And if... Also, they they look really cool, especially when they're camo. Yeah, I love everything camo. You I know. know this. Yeah, I know. Um, so I think it makes sense. It's also, like, I don't know, I feel like every female superhero has, like, giant boobs. It's really tough. Like, I used to... And, like, a great ass. Yeah, <laughs> it's really tough because I feel like I used to fall like on the other side of the argument where it's just like, well, every man is presented as like, you know, the ideal o- Olympiad, right? Like the ideal like Olympian where it's just like, oh, well, like men also propagate like these unrealistic stereotypes, archetypes of just like, oh, you like their fucking abs have abs, right? Yeah. And for the longest time, I was just like, oh, it's equal, right? Like. Men are presented as eye candy just the same as women are presented. And then I got older, and then I realized, like, no, it's actually not the fucking same. Like, it's 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 not. Like, women are presented as objects of, like, sexual desire, but, like, men are presented as a way of, like, jealousy and respect, I guess, in a way, right? Where it's just, like, you look at them and, like, you understand they're apex predators. Whereas, like, when you look at these comic book women, you're, like, your, your brain is just, like, not necessarily telling you that yeah because like she's like super strong but she doesn't have a lot of like muscle definition mm-hmm. she's got boob definition and butt definition a lot of hip definition yeah and like you know a flat stomach Your quads we talked about quads earlier. yeah <laughs> uh she does have good legs um but like i don't think this story especially like over sexualizes her in any way especially with the art the very like not defined art very it's it's flat bland yeah um yeah all all due respect to the luna brothers i really do like their work just this is not their strongest effort and like there was like the weird situation with jared that was like compounding the physical or like the 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 visual presentation of her yeah but other than that it hasn't really been a lot about her body Mm -hmm. um and it's been, like, more about her ability and her mental state, which, like, I appreciate. It's about her, not the way she looks. How she feels, her relationship to her parents. Yeah. Um, which, like, I don't know enough about other comic book characters to, like, know if that's the norm mm-hmm. or, like, what. I just think, in general, from, like, what I've seen, women, female characters in comic books are portrayed much more... For men. Yeah. That is uh, sort of derivative from a, a piece, like an essay from, I want to say either the 60s or the 70s, but it was written by this woman named Laura Mulvey, who wrote on uh, this thing called The Male Gaze. And it's basically just like how women in film and television were just like portrayed as objects and visual candy for men's pleasure. And comics, I think, are incredibly guilty of that. I think they've actually been really good about it the past couple of years. But again, that's through my bias as like a, a white straight dude, you know, so like I don't I'm not the best authority to like say anything on that. Um, but very interested in your opinion, especially as we like further explore. And it's tough because like I'm asking you to read comics from 15 years ago. And like I don't think there's a lot of art and culture we're proud of from 15 years ago. 
Yeah, I'm thinking of like music videos from that time. This is like peak Fergie. This like I think this yeah. is like around the time of like. How come every time you come around my London, afraid to be coming down? What? Right? Like, London, London. Whoop! Yeah. Um, um, not yeah, not not our finest moment as a as, as a culture in the 21st century. Um, and so, like, I understand that's like a, a weird proposition to ask you. Like, well, compared to then to now, like that's it's just like a lot to ask. Like, I guess you yeah. just I you just read five issues of a comic. I'm sorry. I mean, at least she gets to wear pants. It's a great change, yeah. Um, because I remember like having issues with Wonder Woman, like which gal looks great in the movies, like legs for days. Mm-hmm. Love it. There's there's a thing as the female gaze also. Yeah. But I'm just like, is it the most practical? Wonder Woman had pants for a couple issues. I think it was at the request of the first regular female writer on the book. I think the very first female author for Wonder Woman in like the regular series was Jodi Picoult. Okay. And she did a couple of, a couple of issues. This is right after mm-hmm. My Sister's Keeper. Mm-hmm. And then um, the first like regular ongoing for years was uh, Gail mm-hmm. Simone. Okay, I know that name. Yeah, she's great on Twitter. Yeah. And she actually got started in comics because she had a blog called Women in Refrigerators, which was like talking about like the tropes that she found like most detrimental towards women's representation in comics. Because there was literally a comic, those comics that I ordered that came in the mail today where I was telling you, like, oh, this is the first appearance of Kyle Rayner as the Green Lantern. Yeah, I got those issues. Be fucking jealous, people. Um, he becomes Green Lantern, and, like, this guy named Major Forrest, like, literally kills his girlfriend and stuffs her in a refrigerator. And, like, we knew literally nothing about the girlfriend except that she got killed and stuffed in a refrigerator as mo- as, as motivation for Kyle to, like, become a Green Lantern. And, like, that was how she got started was just, like, her actual commentary on comics and... Lo and behold, she turned out to be, like, one of the best comic book authors of the last 50 years. Like, she's fucking incredible. Her work on Villains United and Secret Six, Deadpool, like, everything she's done is just fucking instantly awesome. Um, But it's because she was just, like, asking the right questions and just, like, pointing out the obvious flaws in a male-dominated logic pattern that was operating in the comic book industry. So, well, as, a, as a new voice, very happy to have you, very happy to have your opinions. Well, it's like, also, I mean, I didn't really pay attention if she was, like, fighting with her hair down, mm-hmm. which you and I have discussed now that you have long hair and have oh my discovered God. the ponytail and the bun. Yeah. Like, would you ever go into an epic battle with your hair down when you can put it up in a bun or a ponytail? No, never. Literally never. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Dragon Ball Z lately, and there's this character who was bald for the entire show, and I thought he was just, like, bald. And then, like, years pass by, and, like, his hair grows in because, like, the fighting is over. And it's this guy named Krillin, and it's like, oh, he actually just shaved his head for fighting. Like, that was why he did it. Mm-hmm. I thought he was, like, like male pattern baldness. It's like, no, he just didn't want to deal with it. I'm like, oh, I, I fucking get that. As someone who has hair down past his shoulders now um yeah it's like annoying to like bend down and get the laundry out of the dryer with your hair down the amount of the amount of hairs i've burnt just trying to like smoke a cigarette at the end of the night (laughs) and then i smell burnt hair and i'm trying to decide if that's actual burnt hair or if i'm having a stroke from smoking a cigarette like it's just it's exhausting yeah it's exhausting 
All right. Thank you so much for uh, strapping on your shoes, taking that little walk with me. Are you ready to wrap this up? Let's do it. Issue five, baby. This came out April 19th, 2006. So close to your birthday. Yeah, like six days after my birthday, I was 15. Yeah. How cool was 15? <sighs> Not cool at all. It was like, I can't drive yet. I, I think you and I had very different high school experiences. I fucking loved high school. I was so lame. I was a theater geek and a nerdy kid. I was really lame until I met Ben. Well, Ben's the best. Ben is the best. God. I was really lame until I met Ben. Oh, my God. I'm sorry to introduce you to him sooner. This issue opens with Madame Hydra. She lands on the oil rig and meets with a severely disabled, but very much so still alive, General Wyndham, who barely managed to survive the plane crashing into his base those years ago. Uh, she warns him that Vermis is dead and Jessica may be on her way. Jessica's reading with her father starts off okay, but quickly gets awkward as shit. As we previously discussed, he was asking her questions. He couldn't stop being a scientist. Uh, and he was just treating her uh, as a scientific breakthrough and not as a daughter. You're asking those questions about like, oh, how's your heartbeat? No arrhythmia? Oh, how's your menstrual cycle? Is it regular? Irregular? What's up? You're just being a fucking weirdo. I feel like this is like a weird, like, like he should have some kind of biological connection to his offspring. Like the fact that his like, doctor desire to like learn so outweighs any kind of biological any, yeah paternal mandate yeah, yeah is like weird to me it's pretty gross but like really does a good job of selling him as like a proper villain like a cap yeah. capital v villain but right. also like how messed up is hydra that like this is what they value yeah yeah i mean they're they were like I'm actually pretty bad about comics, like, the more I admit it. Like, I've read, like, the big stories, but, like, I've really, like, I, I consider myself an expert on stuff from, like, the mid-90s to, like, 2012. That I'm an expert on. And then after that, I'm, like, trying to catch up and, like, trying to re-become an expert. Uh -huh. But besides that, the only stuff I've really read, like, I've read the big stories from the 70s and 80s, but, like, I don't know 80s Marvel super well. I don't know 70s DC super well. But I know, like, a lot of 60s stuff pretty well because they used to collect all these comics in these, like, oversized phone book black and white reprints. I think, like, you've seen a couple of those books I have where, like, I, I honestly, I spend more time smelling them than I do reading them <laughs> just because, like, that old print I just, I fucking love. I used to work at, like, a student newspaper. God, I just love that smell so much. Um, so I've read, like, a lot of 60s comics because it was just, it was, like, 14 bucks for 20 issues, which is as a high schooler, like getting able to a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. Getting, being able to read that, see like Jack Kirby and like, you know, Sal Buscema's like crazy ass art was just like fucking awesome. See everything John Byrne did on, on the X-Men with Chris Claremont writing. Like it was, it was really cool. Um, and so like Hydra presented in those days, they were just like such cartoonish villains and like, there's still cartoonish villains here, but there's just like such an extra layer of cruelty in their presentation and it's it's like kind of subtle like i think the stuff with her dad is at the same time as it is like extravagant you know like it's just like so 
pompously fake like to us yeah it is also like subtly cruel at the same time like i i don't quite have the language to explain it but like it is at once like a child's idea of something terrible but also like something that haunts you as someone who might have a child someday does that make sense yeah uh, so that portrayal is, like, very conflicting to me in terms of, like, how I feel about it. But, like, it's very obvious that it's fucking wrong <laughs> and, and terrible. Yeah. Like, ne- that's not the conflict. That That's absolutely not the conflict. Whew. Also, like, they, like, never really addressed, like, what happened to her mom. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, yep, she was murdered. You found her murdered body. And then just, like. Dad's like, I'm surprised she lasted as long as she did. Fucking bitch. Well, that, like, we not, didn't... Not literally, but... But, like, we didn't get any, like, how that has affected her, like, thinking your mom's dead, finding out she's alive, finding her dead body. Like, that sequence of events is, like, traumatic. Yeah. And she's honestly dealt with it as much as her father has at her telling her what's happened. Like, we don't... We don't know how this affects her. Like, we get that she's, like, disappointed and sad, but, like, there's... it it's told not shown yeah right and so like she tells him to catch him up on current events and he honestly reflects as much as she has about it so that like that part i think is like kind of weak in terms of like the general narrative yeah like that's what i'm saying like we don't know what's what's really going on there yeah jessica says she can rescue him but he's like there by choice as a full-on senior hydra scientist spy guy uh, she calls Hydra terrorists, and he takes several jabs at her late mother. Galvanized against her father's bullshit, she declares that she's her mother's daughter and Spider-Woman. Not her father's daughter, right? Like, that's like her, like, sort of emancipating herself from any sort of control, any sort of... Uh, influence. Influence of allegiance. her father. Yeah. Oh, God, it was, that, that was a great moment. Um... But before she can knock her dad out, uh, she starts having these hallucinations. Her dad is a human-wolf hybrid again. Bova, the caretaker, is a cow-human hybrid again. Wyndham is the high evolutionary. And they're all flashing as she hears her father's words explaining that Hydra experimented on her and poked at her brain at too young an age while she was in that coma. And she has an episode like that every time she tries to defy Hydra. Uh, Jessica musters the strength, and moments later she leaves... After that, the fuel depot on the oil rig blows, clearly thanks to Jessica. She flies up topside and starts kicking every Hydra agent's ass when Wyndham unleashes his army of Jessica clones, all trying to recreate her power set while being fully loyal to Hydra. The fight starts off well, but Jess is quickly outmatched by superior numbers. Madam Hydra tries to escape with Jessica's dad, but he doesn't want to leave, feeling the weight of all of his terrible decisions finally... Madam Hydra, unmoved, executes him on the spot. Held down by the army of Jess clones, he realizes she's not fighting back. Jess admits she's not trying to fight, she's trying to distract them, when suddenly the entire oil rig blows sky high, leaving Jess barely alive in the debris. She's rescued by an inbound shield helicarrier. Two days later, Jess and Fury are talking at the Oakland Bay Bridge, she declines his offer to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and instead opts to be a superhero with an investigation service on the West Coast called Drew Investigations. And that is where the story ends. You'll be very happy to know that I found a bid for Marvel Spotlight number 28, the very first appearance of Jessica Drew. And I did not purchase it on eBay. Why not? It's a 
Yeah, that's fine. Uh, I, I, have... did, I did add it to my watch list, and I'm waiting for an offer to come in. And if the offer goes below 200, I'm going to think about it. That's a lot. It's the first fucking appearance of okay. Jessica Drew. All right, I have two thoughts. Hit me. Even Madame Hydra, babe. Mm-hmm. Like, they had a real chance to make, like, an ugly female character. And they just didn't. Like, I'm thinking, like, Medusa. Or what's-her-face from The Little Mermaid, who's the... Ursula. Ursula. Yeah. Like... See, that one's problematic, too, because that uh, she's a villain. So it's like... Isn't Madame Hydra a villain? Yes, but I guess, like, my point about Ursula is just like, oh, uh, ugly, Only... ugly women are evil. Beautiful women aren't. Like, you know, like that... Okay, like okay, that, that's like yes. Well, that's like the lowercase p politics. Like, when we say comic books are political, it almost... Almost never, honestly, has anything to do with Republicans or Democrats. It has to do with, like, actual lowercase p political messaging, where it's, like, Batman, he's a vigilante. So, like, his existence implies that, like, the government and the state can't protect you. So it's up to a third party, someone making the choice to defend you Mm -hmm. from these threats that the government is unable to face, right? Like, that's, like, the lowercase p political messaging of Batman. And so, like, the lowercase p political messaging of Ursula is that, like, don't trust older, overweight, purple women... I mean, I got lost in the weeds there, but yeah, but, but like that, that's like the general idea, right? And so it's like I guess like you're right, Madame Hydra probably more attractive than she should be. There's actually like getting a lot of flack on uh, She-Hulk that trailer released this week. Yes, uh, and they're just like, she's too fucking skinny. Where's my thick bitch? You know, like that's like the 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 Twitter. Uh, take on it. Yeah, and so like obviously like this show's not coming out to August. There's a lot of work that can still be done on CGI. Everyone thinks it's underwhelming. I think you're a fucking loser if you just, like, complain to people about how CGI looks online, but that's just me. Um, but, like, no one's ever happy with how things are portrayed in comics. Gen- no one's ever happy with anything. That's a great point. Um, uh, my second thing. Sorry, yeah. can I cut you off? Oh, please, please. When, like, the army of Jessica's is introduced, mm-hmm. you skipped over the part where one of them is like, I'm sleeping with your father. What? <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think I remember that. Oh no! Which is like very problematic to me that her father has created an army of his daughter and he's sleeping with at least one of them. It's got to be more, right? You don't just fuck one. Okay. Weird clone you make. <laughs> of your daughter. Okay. It, I'm not defending it. I am saying like. They don't look like his daughter. Like, they're all different face. Again, not defending it. Okay, then sleeping with someone the age of your daughter. Yeah, that's not great. With, like, the genetic composition. Of your daughter. Um, yeah, so he's, like, a piece of shit for, like, 19 different reasons at this point. Yeah, sorry, how did you not catch that? Honestly, because... I rushed you. No, it wasn't even that. I just had such a long day yesterday as I was writing the scripts. I was trying to get things done in time for the Celtics game. Celtics game ended late because inexplicably they're playing at 8 fucking 30 when it should be 7.30, whatever. Uh, I've been hammered at work recently. Again, not drunk. Uh, And then I didn't write the script for this until like 12.30 last night and I was exhausted. Hadn't had sugar in three weeks. I was a little little beside myself. Quit it with your excuses. Quit, quit it with my excuses. I completely missed that. That is so fucked up. Right? Uh, but like, that also feels just like a weird, like, mid-2000s jab. Right? That feels just like a, we're going to make this fucking weird because we can. Yeah. Yeah. 
a little bit, right? Like, does that make sense? Like, just, like, tonally, it feels very, like, mid-2000s. Just, like, oh, how far can we push it? And we're going to push it a little bit further than we should. Yeah, like, not necessary, but, like... But, like, really adds to the fucked-upness of yeah. the story. Because they're like, oh, we're really big fans of you. I'm sleeping with your father. Which one do you think it is? The blonde one. The Up front? Oh, uh, no, it looks like this redhead. Oh, the bangs are not good. Those are terrible bangs. I have better bangs than she does. You don't have bangs. Exactly. <laughs> uh, In the UK, they call it fringe. <laughs> shut up. Okay. <laughs> hey, George, where can people find you on Twitter? No, before we get there. Uh, so that was Spider-Woman The Origin. Uh, overall, how do we feel about it? Wait, did we talk about her... Meeting up with Nick Fury after? Yeah, we did. Oh, sorry. And Drew Investigations? Yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. How do we feel about Spider-Woman The Origin? Um, I thought it was fine. Yeah? Not my favorite origin story. Like, not as juicy as I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love origin. Like, I love the Captain America origin movie. I love Batman Begins. Batman Begins. I think we're actually... Do you want to come on and talk about Batman Begins for the podcast? Yeah, I fucking love Batman Begins. I, I really I really Bale. want to get Nick on to talk about it, too. Because you know who else loves Batman Begins? is fucking Nick. Are Nick and I the same person? You guys both like a lot of the same things, actually. Am I Nick or am I your dad? Because... I don't... I don't... <laughs> don't want to have this discussion on air. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. I love an origin story. I thought this was fine. I thought it could have been not juicier, but like a little weightier. Yeah. Like a lot happened, but I feel like I didn't feel the like importance of it or like the weight mm-hmm. of it creating her. Is it like you know how like the like this this meeting could have been an email? Do you feel like this miniseries could have been a flashback? I feel like these five issues could have been, like, two and a half issues, and then I could have gotten more about, like, how, what happened to her shaped who she became. Yeah, so, like... It w- and maybe I'm missing some references no, I that you. I haven't read. I'm, I'm trying to think. Again, I'm not a comic book author, I'm not a comic book editor, but, like, could this have been, like... Her catching someone up, like, the way she, like, retold, like, certain, like, the way she retold Captain America how she's, like, fucked, right? Like, the way she's just, like, oh, yeah, I was doing this for Nick Fury who's now out and no one at S.H.I.E.L.D. knows what I'm doing now, right? Like, the way she, like, told that story, this probably could have been told in a more condensed version. Yes. But they also just did that, you know? That's the thing, like, too many flashbacks is, like, too much of a good thing. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't hate, like, just, like, the chronological storytelling of, like, from beginning to end how we got here. Mm-hmm. I just wish there was, like, more insight to her mental state and, like, how what was happening was affecting her. Gotcha. I don't know. I don't know how you portray that in comics, um, but a lot of, like, like, we talked about... Oh, God, I forget his name. The guy who was, like, the great superhero, but, like... Oh, the Sentry. The Sentry. Yeah. How, like, his, like, internal struggle of, like... Mental illness and repression. Yeah, like, dealing with all of these things emotionally. Like, I feel like that... 
his mental status was like very much portrayed through the writing and and the drawing. And you wish they took that same care with Jessica. Yeah. Okay. That's, uh, that's like, awkward because it's the same author. That's weird. Yeah. Because I feel like I feel like there was a lot of opportunity to be like to get to her insight and how that is like affecting you know like shit that happens in New Avengers of like her allegiance to Shield or Hydra and like how what happened with her parents like plays into all that. But it's like it was basically like oh her parents were Hydra, her mom was murdered, she like found out her dad was awful and left him mm. instead of like really being like okay like her mom was murdered right like her father was awful mm-hmm. and like that had xyz effect on her becoming who she is right like i missed that part and i feel like that is the part of an origin story that i really like yearn for latch on to yeah um, you recently rewatched all of Alias. Yes. Alias came out a couple years before this. I think Alias was 2001. This was 2005. Does this feel like a TV show to you? Because, like, I think that's, like, one of Brian Michael Bendis's, like, greatest strengths as a writer, but also, like, kind of his weakness is it feels like he's almost writing out of medium. Where, like, the things he writes feels very familiar because it's like something else. And that's why I like it, but also it's like, is this the best execution in this particular field that I don't know, but I know I enjoy it, so I don't care? Does that make sense? Where, like, I, I think this feels like it could have been a TV show. Like, this could have been, like, if not, like, a TV series and at least, like, a one-off, like... Mini-series. Twilight Zone-esque, like, yeah. you know, single episode presentation of th- maybe. this Maybe, and maybe story. it could have been better explored... Mm-hmm. through that medium i just feel like i didn't get like the emotional impact impact that i wanted that's fair um brian michael bendis does a spider woman series again later seven issues with a co- artist who he's collaborated with a lot over the years this guy named alex Maleev. so that i would love to have you on to talk about when we get there that's a couple years away um, in the meantime, though, I think you are our official New Avengers correspondent. There's also a new, or sorry, not a new, I don't want to complicate. There's a different Avengers series that starts called Muddy Avengers. And I'm going to bring you in for that, too, because... Can I, like, get, like, a better naming system? Carol Danvers is the captain of that team. I love Carol Danvers! I know you do! Sorry, Tuna. Didn't even wake you up. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for this. Thank you so much. I asked you so many questions that I did not prepare you for, and you were fucking excellent. So thank you for that. Thank you, Tuna, for adding your two cents, too, in the background. I appreciate it. Tuna disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> He's a mama's boy. He is. Yeah. Uh, George, where can people find you on Twitter? People can find me at PurpleBird616 on Twitter. Aaliyah, where can people find you on Twitter? At Aaliyah413. So many dog pictures. All I literally post exclusively dog petter, pictures and like Celtics retweets. Yeah, it's pretty fucking awesome. God, you're so cool. This is a Deuce Tatum fan account. Yeah, it sounded sarcastic, but like, no, just like literally just dog pictures and Celtics feed. Like, yeah, no, that's my shit. That's extremely my wheelhouse. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for reading Spider Woman The Origin. I really appreciate it. Hopefully. 
Okay, like three years ago, did you ever think I would read this many comic books? I didn't think there was enough wine in the world, but then we moved to Maine where there's just not enough to do in the world. <laughs> so I don't have my chickens yet. Yeah. I have so much time on my hands. So much time. We only have the three dogs. <laughs> So. Maybe we need to get a fourth. I don't know. No, but then I don't have you to come on to talk about new and mighty <laughs> adventures, so we got to hold off until the podcast is in a safe place. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Please, please, please interact with the show on social media. Please rate the show on your podcast service of choice. If you don't have a podcast service that lets you rate, please go on iTunes. Please go on Spotify. Drop whatever ratings you can. That would be most appreciated. I have to do that because I've overcast and they... I can't figure out how to rate. I don't think they let you rate on Overcast. Okay. I use Overcast, too. I use Overcast for all, like, my current podcasts, and I use Spotify for all my old, like, legacy podcasts, and Spotify is, like, literally the f- fucking worst podcast player I've ever used in my entire life. Like, I'll be 20 minutes into an episode. And it just switches. And it just, like, skips to the next episode. I'm like, well, no, actually, I wanted to listen to the, the whole episode, if you don't mind. Like, if that's okay with you, I'd like to listen to, to the entire Thing. I haven't listened to any podcast on Spotify in a long time. It fucking sucks. Um, anyways, thank you for finding us on Spotify. Thank you for finding <laughs> us on iTunes. Thank you for finding us on your podcast service of choice. And we will be back in two weeks, hopefully by then. The Celtics will have won. Will have wrapped up the Eastern Conference Finals against Miami. They fucking destroyed them on Thursday. Was it? It was last night. Last right? night. Yeah. God, what if it's Celtics and Luca? Who am I gonna root for? The Celtics. Yeah. I gotta root for Deuce Tatum. Yeah, it's like Luca doesn't have a kid. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> Who are you gonna root for? I don't wanna fucking hear that. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back in two weeks. Thank uh, you. Try to figure out what we're gonna throw in your ears then, but look to the Twitter account. Elsa will be in some spaces. Get ready for us dorking out about comics in real time. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Love you. Bye. Goodbye.